Welcome to another Psych Matters podcast from the Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Psychiatrists. Psych Matters is a series of discussions on training and practice issues facing trainees and fellows of the college and other important topics in mental health. Professor Flasius Braculius is stepping down after a decade as the editor of Australasian Psychiatry, during which the journal's impact factor has doubled, the editorial board has greatly and inclusively expanded, and there have been a host of broad-ranging and high-quality papers on the science and art of psychiatry. In this episode of Psych Matters, Professor Braculius is interviewed by Associate Professor Geoffrey Louis about his reflections and experiences as editor of the journal. We acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the First Nations and the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters known as Australia and Māori as Tangata Whenua in Aotearoa. We honour and respect the Elders past and present who weave their wisdom into all realms of life. Welcome to this Psych Matters podcast. My name is Geoffrey Louis. I'm at the Australian National University School of Medicine and Psychology. And today, joining me live at the RNZCP Perth Congress is Professor Vlasios Braculius, who is the current editor of the Australasian Psychiatry Journal. And after long and extremely distinguished service, uh, he's going to hand over to a colleague. I also want to acknowledge that uh, Professor Braculius has been behind an extraordinary project as the executive director of mental health at the Western Sydney Local Health District. And I maybe actually, to be polite to him, let him give a plug about his excellent developments as a service director. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jeffrey. It's a pleasure to be conducting this podcast and to be able to talk about my role as editor. As you've said, 10 years, two terms is a long time. Uh, it doesn't seem that long because I've certainly enjoyed the process. And as you've said, yes, I'm the current editor of Australian Psychiatry. I'm also the executive director of Western Sydney Local Health District, which is a large district with uh, 1.2 million people approximately. And we've currently received $460 million in funding to build what will be the largest mental health facility in New South Wales. Uh, and we hope that it will improve standards of care for our patients within Western Sydney and, and beyond, of course, because there will be some statewide services within that complex. I'm also uh, affiliated with the University of Sydney and the University of Western Sydney, two roles that I very much love. I love teaching uh, and I love research and my key area of research is in obsessive compulsive and related disorders and I've got a key interest in early intervention for these disorders. So thank you for having me. Thank you very much, Vlasios. I think it's been really good to have you give the background of all your experiences that you've brought to your role and, and your skills as both a leading academic, but also as a service director to the role as a Australasian psychiatry editor. I wonder if I could initially sort of kick off with asking you about what you have gained from the experience from your own side, what you think are the benefits of the role was it advertising for people to consider in the future? Well, obviously, when I started, I was very much a junior academic and didn't really know very much about the role. I had been on the editorial committee for a few years before that, so I knew a little bit, uh, but I really didn't know what would be involved being an editor. 
And I've certainly learned a lot over the last 10 years. So it's been an absolute privilege. But what, what have I learned? <laughs> it's, it's hard to sort of quantify that. But uh, I guess I've learned that ability to very quickly process a paper, to look at a paper, to work out whether it has any benefit or not in terms of further review, an ability to very quickly locate appropriate reviewers and reviewers that are likely to review the paper, that would have an interest in, in the paper, and to make swift decisions in the best interest of the author, who obviously always wants their paper to be processed quickly. The other thing that I've learned is the importance of succession planning and the role of the journal in continuing the credibility and the professionalism associated with our profession, with, with our specialty as psychiatrists. It's got a key role there, which I have initially underestimated, but the, the longer I've been in this role, the more I've realised what an important role particularly Australian psychiatry has also had in really developing and fostering those younger academics or those clinical academics who may not have had the experience and who can more or less cut their teeth on publishing within the journal and, and build that confidence to make the, the next steps and the next, you know, go to the next level. But the initiative of starting those trainee editors and the associated trainee editors has been a wonderful initiative for the journal not only for succession planning, but these trainees have been able to engage the trainee readership. They've been able to look at what would be of interest for trainees and they've provided a sense of optimism, a sense of enthusiasm and drive that has really taken the, the journal, I think, to another level. So I'm particularly grateful to them and grateful to the opportunity to be an editor and to really have played such a significant role in the development of the journal and in the future of, of our profession. Well, thanks, Flasius. I think you've only touched upon how much hard work you've put in. As someone who somewhat probably too much submits to the journal, I can see from the, the timestamps of the dedicated work that you and your team put into reviewing articles and responding to authors, etc., takes all sorts of hours and, it, and it's greatly appreciated by people that submit to the journal. I think from that side, we need to recognise the extraordinary contribution you and your team. Thank you. Thank you. It's certainly, like I said, it's certainly a privilege. Yeah. Uh, I take the role seriously. I see the authors as our customers, as other reviewers, and I always have in the back of my mind that they're our customers, more or less, and we have to cater to them. We have to do the, our best to keep them happy. You know, obviously you can't keep everyone happy, uh, but prompt reviews are very important, but also the value and the respect to the peer reviewers who are putting their time, you know, to review the article voluntarily. We hope that they know altruistically that they're doing it for the benefit of our profession and our group, but... Nonetheless, you still need to show that respect and still need to be kind to them and to process things very quickly. Uh, and I hope that over the years I have been nice and uh, courteous to everyone that I've engaged with. I think very much the feedback that we have from academic colleagues but also other people who have been involved with the journal is that there's an extraordinarily fair and careful process with the review. Both journals are, are actually noted for that and I think what the touch that you you have brought is that personalised, extremely fair. Because sometimes 
the things aren't up to scratch and they won't make it into the journal and that's you've got to take it on the chin. But I think that what you highlighted, the opportunities that you're giving people to participate in scholarships so that they get the bug, they really start to enjoy it. People who are sometimes earlier career psychiatrists, trainees, but also someone who's never written an article. And I think you, I, you were already talking about in the previous meeting about sort of encouraging people and mentoring people to write the article because once you get bitten by that bug in terms of contributing to the scholarship, and I think the other thing, that, if I might say, that seems apparent from your, your leadership is that waiting for both aspects, the science of psychiatry, which is very strong with, with excellent research-based articles in the journal, but also looking at the art and also contemplating the practice of psychiatry, which is understandably germane to all our members, all our trainees. I wonder if I could then, in that context, ask you to reflect on what kind of advice would you give to the next editor about, you know, what horizons have come in and and also if you feel comfortable, you know, any things that you would say are warnings or things that you need to, that people need to take care with. I think for for this journal in particular, Australian Psychiatry, we need to realise that the readership are predominantly clinicians and not researchers. And so you always have to have that in the back of your mind. And there may be an article that is not very well written, but is really clinically relevant. And you think, you know what, the readers would love to read this. It's my job as an editor um, to try to, to make sure that happens. So there are times where I really had to put that extra effort to try to encourage the author to to change, to, to improve their article, to bring it up to that level where it's publishable for the benefit of the readership. Um, and I've never regretted that. that. Some, sometimes you think, oh, gee, I've got to go back and forth and, you know, um, there's a bit of work uh, to it. Uh, but certainly I think the reward is worth it in the end in terms of you're helping the author um, because, like you said, they could be bitten by that bug, and you, they could be one of your become your best, you know, contributors. Um, but also for the audience, who, like we said, are predominantly clinicians, and they want to read those clinically based articles um, that refer to the art of psychiatry, perhaps a bit more than the science of psychiatry, which is really that distinction between. Australian New Zealand Journal of Psychiatry and Australasian Psychiatry, uh, where is Australian and New Zealand Journal of Psychiatry focus more on the high-end science, scientific-type articles, whereas Australian Psychiatry is focusing on the art of psychiatry, the clinical practice, the policies, the tra- teaching, the training, all of those things that are relevant at that clinical level, you know, scholarly projects, all of those aspects that clinicians on a day-to-day basis face. Yeah, and I think it's reflected in the reads and the improving, even though, as you've said, you've looked at both aspects in the journal and, and supported that greatly, the art and the science. It is true, and I guess from the outside, it, we should also credit that the impact factor and the citation of the journal under under your leadership with your team has really improved. That's not the aim. I, I know I've heard you say that before, but that's still a marker of the merit of the work that you're doing as editors and all the contributors that come into the journal. Yeah, no, that, that's right. We've had these discussions in our editorial committee, you know, how much should we focus on impact factor? How much shouldn't we focus on impact factor? Uh, my view always has been that impact factor is important. There's no escaping it. And it has to have a decent impact factor. Otherwise, 
you're not going to get the articles that, that you want. Um, sure, it's not the key driver uh, for our studies, otherwise we would aim for a much higher than what we've got. But having a decent impact factor, I think, helps um, because you're, you're getting a good balance of reasonably good articles versus, you know, first-timer type submissions. I hope that you're enjoying this podcast. If you have a topic suggestion or would like to participate in a future episode of Psych Matters, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by email at psychmatters.feedback at ranzcp.org. Are there particular recommendations of, for things that you would think that you would suggest to the next editor in terms of just basic principles with, of course, leaving them freedom? The yeah. funny thing is a lot comes down to this organisational culture as well. Yes. Um, so I would suggest that the new editor not be afraid of their own values and, and actually prioritise them to some extent. They need to always be kind and generous to those that they work with respectful and just. I think that's the most important thing that as an editor people will pick up on straight away. If you're not fair, if you're favouring one article over another article, you have to maintain that neutrality, which many authors will try to draw you into. Both journals have seen a number of debates over the years. It's important that you try to remain neutral. If someone is complaining about an article that was published give them an opportunity to submit one themselves so that you're actually portraying both sides of the story uh, for the readership. And that's generally worked very well. I must say I haven't had any huge uh, problems in the 10 years. I haven't had you know, major complaints from authors. And again, I think it comes down to those values, being fair, being neutral, being kind, generous, respecting people's time, respecting the time of the author, respecting their contribution, being grateful for the contribution and respecting the reviewers as well who do all of this <laughs> voluntarily. And without the reviewers, you know, really, you couldn't really run it, run a journal. Yeah, the impression I get as a reviewer and uh, sometimes submitting articles there from you is under your leadership, the organisation that you've led, is the extraordinary and rigorous fairness of the process that's kind of up front. And I think what I wanted to ask you about, it seems like from the outside that one of the philosophies that you've had is it's categorical that in a way or almost automatic that you get reviews that don't agree with each other. And the more reviews you have, the more likely that they all disagree with each other. And my impression from how you've dealt with that is you let the reviews and then you ask the author to respond to all the reviews, then you have to get the responses to them and then you arbitrate. Yeah, that's, that's correct. And a message that I always tell authors, I say, even though I'm sending you those reviewer comments, I don't necessarily agree with all of them. Don't get upset because the, the instant reaction of the, the author would be, oh, how could they write such a bad thing? And they blame me as an editor. <laughs> and sometimes they get these angry emails, you know, don't you understand, blah, blah. Sure I do, but this is what the reviewer said. So here's the reviewer comments. Respond to them. Yeah. Just simply write a rebuttal letter, respond to each of the comments, you know, step by step, and then I'll make a decision. And, yeah, usually after that process, you can sort of see, you know, what the case will be, whether that, you know, it should be published or shouldn't be published. And in most cases, it's a case of the author just taking on that criticism, responding to it, 
making a few changes, respectfully addressing the and, concerns. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, working through that. But I I think from you know from the perspective of an author and a reviewer, the process of taking on board reviewers' comments, however happens first. I think it's hardest when people are, and I know that you've been keen on supporting, when someone does their first article and, and like it seems like such a large, and we'll, we'll use the term because we're psychiatrists, a narcissistic injury. People feel like they're personally aggrieved. But I guess that that's also the role of both of us because we're both senior academics when we're encouraging people. Don't take it personally. Just respond on a point-by-point -point basis. Learn from it. Improve your article. And then Sometimes people grow and adapt to it. It's like, thank you to the reviewers. I remember one article I reviewed and an extremely senior academic, I saw what was published for something, had said, thank you very much to the reviewers for improving my article. This was a very eminent academic who, who was thanking the reviews openly. And, and I think that that's the spirit of the yes, community. It is, it is. Um, because the reviewers, <laughs> they're your readers. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to listen to them. Yeah. If they're saying something, that they're not the only one that will probably say it. Sure, there's some situations where some comment comes and you think, where did that come from? But most of the time, the comments are not out of left field. They are things that other people would think. So you need to respond to it. Either the, as an author, you haven't made that point clear enough or you've overlooked it. So address it. Yeah, and, you address uh, <laughs> it and you can enlist, if you're writing with other people, as most people do, you enlist your co-authors and sometimes the co-authors help with their wisdom by saying, I don't think you should say that. I think you should just deal with that straight on. Uh, or they'll say, sometimes they'll say, oh, I disagree with that response. And, th and that's part of the learning process as being an author or co-author as well. So I wondered if you had any reflections on your, now your experience over 10 years what do you think is going to happen with the publishing market with Australasian psychiatry in particular, artificial intelligence, all these things, Twitter, you know, social media? How do you feel like it's going to fit in in the next 10 years? Yeah, I think we'll overcome them. Even in the 10 years that have passed, the change that we've gone through has been huge, you know, from paper copies to online only, uh, moving to open access, continuous publication, there have been so many changes, and we're going to see more and more changes. But the objective is to ensure that those changes enable us to deliver a better product at the end of the day. Let's make those changes work to our advantage rather than fearing them. Sure, artificial intelligence may be, cause an issue. You know, We talked about how the references may be made up and how we're going to make sure that the references are correct. Technology will correct itself. There'll be a solution for that and we'll move on from that. And hopefully we'll be able to use that technology for our own benefit and ensure that it improves things into the future. So I feel optimistic that publication will retain its place and will continue to be a respected method of advancing our specialty and our discipline and of advancing the science of psychiatry. Well, thanks very much for, for sharing those thing, those discussions with us. I, I wonder if I can, you can come closer to the ending by just asking you if there are any, any things that you experienced on the journey as the editor that were kind of particularly unexpected and things that either were positive or negative that you found really interesting and you wanted to share with listeners about why people should be involved with journals, why they should write for journals, why they should consider being on the editorial committee, why they should review. I think the key message there is that we all have an ethical obligation 
to publish, to teach, to share our knowledge. And the journal provides an avenue for that. And it's not just, you know, something that's a closed shop. It's available to everyone. It's available internationally. So it plays a a fundamental role in the progression uh, and the credibility of our profession. So that's a key thing. But the other surprise, you said, you know, what surprise did you have? I was constantly in awe of the amount of support that I've had through the journey. I would never expected that people would be so positive, so warm, so collaborative, wanting to help the journal. Each conference, you know, it's just amazing how many people come and say, oh, love your journal, love reading the journal, it's my favourite, I love this article that was published, etc. The support's been amazing, but also from the editorial committee itself, And without those people, without the different areas of interest, we wouldn't have that variety um, that we're able to present within the journal. So that's something that I've enjoyed, the support. I've also enjoyed the collaboration with those people and the creativity that comes with being an editor. I tend to regard myself as someone who's somewhat creative. This was a lovely creative outlook. And, And you don't think of a journal as being somewhere where you can show your creativity but certainly it was in the sense that you put articles together you create themed issues and I was able to create these beautiful covers (laughs) of Australasian psychiatry which really loved doing the initial stages you know it was a bit difficult because Gary Walter had the commissioned artist that used to prepare these artworks and uh, to some extent I wanted to continue that but just didn't fit my style and having been able to uh, develop this partnership with the Cunningham Dex collection to promote the artwork that was created by those affected by mental illnesses and other disorders was an excellent endeavour. Yeah, it really was a good way of symbolising the beauty and the excellence associated with the journal. Yeah, thank you very much, Bill. I think in reflecting on your excellent advice and commentary for our listeners, I'm brought to mind to consider the principles that you're espousing in in supporting the journal, that really they date back to the principles of our profession as a medical profession from the time of Hippocrates and from the Latin etymology, docere. Our role is to teach. We teach ourselves. We try to teach collaboratively with patients And it's the heart of our profession. Advancing the art and the science is something that I think you've lived and breathed as the editor of the journal. And I will say, whoever the person is, and and I think that it will be really hard role to follow because of the excellent work that you've done. And I, I think on behalf of the college membership, if I can presume, I would say that we will greatly miss your input, but I don't think we'll ever forget all the things that you've brought in and that, and also all that you've done to bring along that culture, to support people, that your mentorship of people, really, that's really key. And of course, the colour that you brought with the introduction of art and from the professional side, the absolute fairness and rigour of of the work, but also the intellectual integrity. And I think the college probably owes you a, a debt of gratitude. They may give you one of those awards one day, but that will not be quite enough. I'm, I'm probably putting in a plug for one of the board that's listening. Uh, but really, uh, it's been a pleasure to be involved and continue to work with you. And I know that you will try and support the next editor. I certainly will. And I thank you. It certainly was a privilege and really a gift being in this role, uh, which I hope to give to the future editor. 
So thank you. Thanks again. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Psych Matters. Feel free to share it with others and keep an eye out for future episodes. Psych Matters is produced by the Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Psychiatrists. 